0: From Duck Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, the podcast series where we interview our partners about how the latest technology in insured tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. I'm Rob Savitsky from the Duck product marketing team. And in today's episode, we're so thrilled to be joined by Jim Bramblett, Managing Director, North America Insurance Lead from Accenture, who will share his perspective on remote work and implementing SaaS core systems during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Accenture Global Delivery Network is a diversified group of strategy, consulting, digital, technology, and operations professionals that has successfully completed more than 70 Duck Creek implementations and service the majority of Duck Creek's integrations across the InsureTech ecosystem. Jim, how are you doing today?
1: Hey Rob, thanks. I'm I'm doing fine here on a Monday. it's a good week. My, uh, my kids are done with school. Le- finals were finished last week, which is great. The uh, I don't know about you or the listeners, but I find that the stress level in the Brainwood household comes down quite a bit when, uh, <laughs> when we're not trying to manage homework and finals and things like that. So uh, I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks.
0: Oh, nice. Congrats. Well, that, that's awesome. Hopefully uh, some summer activities are, are planned for you guys to uh, take advantage of, of all the good weather that we're, we're having, at least up here in Boston.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we're about to turn the corner, which is nice.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. And might I say, welcome back uh, to our listeners, given that we did have you as a guest on a webinar back in the fall of 2020 about remote implementations during COVID. And so, uh, yeah, it was great to have you on that panel. And I'm excited to dig in and chat further in more of a one-on-one setting today. Great. No, me too. Thank you. All right. So uh, to kick things off, uh, Jim, do you want to start by just telling everyone about what do you do in your role? What are your responsibilities at Accenture?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I, I kind of wear two hats um, currently uh, in the in the North American leadership role. I have accountability for essentially what we do front to back for our, our clients in the insurance sector uh, in North America across property, casualty, and life and annuity. And um, you know, we have teams direct accountability for everything we do in strategy and consulting uh, in that part of our business um, but really our teams are accountable for um, all the work that we do across the Accenture businesses so from the digital and interactive work uh, that, that you mentioned in the intro um, through kind of core strategy and consulting work uh, through technology delivery delivery and implementations and then um, uh, our operations work as well so Sometimes we we do that work in a silo, like one one dimension of it. Sometimes we do that work uh, in an integrated way across across our businesses. So, uh, I have accountability for all of that for our insurance clients, and then I do also have uh, some direct client account leadership accountability for for two of our clients here in the U.S.
0: Nice, good stuff, Jim. Must be uh, keeping very busy these days with all all those uh, responsibilities over there. Never never a dull moment. No. Nice. <laughs> So, um, if you were, if we were to roll the clock back 18 months ago to December of 2019, what did core system implementations look like at that time? And how would you say they've evolved since the COVID-19 pandemic began?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, we've, we've all learned to work a lot differently. I think probably a little bit good and a little bit bad, um, you know pre pre covid it was you know for us and especially for our clients that were maybe not in the in the cities that that we work in it was you know show up on monday morning as early as you can um leave on thursday evening probably later than you want to um try and recoup on friday at home and then and then rinse and repeat again the next week and and that's week after week and month after month so you know i think our core implementations you know rob as you know are are, are fairly complex right they're, they're not um usually a lot of moving parts and you you, you typically need to be close to the client and you typically need to be close to the client's teams that may be executing on parts of the program that you're not. So, um, you know, once COVID started that, you know, that, that, that shift was really pretty quick. You know, it's interesting. I think uh, if you talk to our clients and it would have asked them two years ago and said, Hey, listen, you know, what do you think it's going to take to, to move work remote? And can you be effective? Most of them would say, would have said, you know, too big of a, hill to climb too big of a cultural change to try and we're going to lose a bunch of productivity. And I think fast forward to today, I think, I think they would say, wow, we've actually seen a lot of success. You know, we didn't, we didn't drop the ball too many times if, if we did at all. And, um, we think that this is a model that we, we can probably, uh, probably work in with, with many more teams, much more remote. So, so I think it's changed you know drastically. Um, I think it's been good that we've, we've proven that we can do that. You know, I think, I think, um, I think it's probably not the best model one way or the other. I think there's probably a happy medium in between that, that gives us the human interaction that we all like and, and that our programs probably require. um, But gives us, gives us some of the flexibility that that we'd like from a work life balance standpoint too.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Totally makes sense. And uh, yeah, I'd like to break down further how you feel that you've been able to achieve that level of productivity. In a, in a fully remote world. And so, starting with technology trends and the implementation engagements you've been involved in, are there any new collaboration tools your teams have been leveraging in order to make themselves as or if not more productive than they were when they were on site?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, well, I think, you know, tools like Zoom and Teams have become fairly ubiquitous now. I mean, I think um, in, in the, their capabilities in terms of collaboration, have improved quite a bit in fact you know rob I, w- I went through a training session last week it was it was tuesday wednesday 30 thursday for four or five hours a day all conducted on zoom and i think a lot of the collaboration capabilities on zoom have improved quite a bit um the interactive capability of, of you being you know, able to interact with a document um has improved quite a bit in the last year um teams continues to make you know large upgrades and how you can share and collaborate on documents um And, you know, I think I mentioned last time we spoke that we had started to use a a tool called Mural for um, essentially like an online whiteboard. And uh, if I'm honest, I would say last fall it was it was a little painful, um, not super intuitive, maybe a little slower than what we would have wanted. But we were all making do. Um, We're in the middle of our of our planning process for next fiscal year. And all of our teams use it for for our our planning process. And um, I've I've been pretty blown away by the. how much better the tools gotten how it easy how much easier it is to set up templates how much easier it is and more intuitive for as, as a user so i think across the core collaboration tools that are that our teams use and then things like neural um, we've gotten pretty good at it um, certainly certainly for the, the the phases of the work that require much more collaboration which would be you know like conception designing things like that you know i think a lot of the core development tools um were already pretty mature anyway to support remote remote workforce and, and kind of different geographic collaboration. But I think, I think more of the upfront collaboration tools have come quite a long way.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check out mural sometime when I'm uh, planning a whiteboarding session. That's definitely something that we're, we're trying to do more of with the marketing. I think we've looked at a couple tools, um, stormboard being one, but we're, we're just kind of just kind of been dabbling with them, but, uh, you know, it's great. I think there's lots of options that are out there and a lot of people are making use of them and finding ways to. You know, recreate what, what that whiteboard experience looks like, which I think is, is probably at least in, in my talking to colleagues, kind of the number one thing that, that people miss of, of being in the office. So putting tools aside, uh, we'd love to switch gears a little bit and get your thoughts on what do you feel like it, it takes to build and maintain culture when we're all not in the same physical space?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, Rob. I think it's actually getting getting kind of hard, right? I mean, I think um, <clears throat> I think you know, having lived in this environment for twelve or fifteen months, people have, have maybe had a had had enough of uh, of the pure virtual environment. Um, you know, I, I think we've all done kind of the the virtual happy hours and and try to be creative around around uh, ways to engage virtually. I, I think you know, with things opening up. I, and you know, I was I was actually Rob. I was down in our office, down in Chicago last week for for, for three days, uh, Wednesday through Friday, and um, just seeing people in person matters a lot. Um, I had a colleague retire, we had a big celebration for him over the weekend. hadn't seen which 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 was with a lot of a lot of eccentric people. I hadn't seen a lot of them in a long time, and it it matters a lot to be able to be with people. So um, I think we've all done the best that we could, kind of through this cycle, to maintain culture and and keep keep everyone rowing oars in the, in the same direction. I do think that finding a way to do stuff in person, um, it's just difficult to replace that, right? So, you know, going forward, I think it'll be a bit of a blend of the two um, as as we get back and as people, again, as I mentioned earlier, really try and maintain a bit of a balance, but, uh, you know, the human connection just matters such a ton. Um, so I think, I think the sooner we get back to that, in some percentage of the time, uh, the better we'll all be
0: absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more and i I think it's when when first things became fully remote everyone i I think was quick to jump on doing the happy hours and getting together and trying to find those extra touch points and then it it kind of felt like you know maybe there's a little bit of a period of time that elapsed where everyone was a little you know call it zoom fatigue or, or that kind of burnout and there was just less of that happening but i think now that the the end at least or I don't want to say necessarily end but a return to somewhat normalcy at least here in the U S seems in sight um, to me it seems like you know people are starting to uh, you know maybe bring some of those those uh, virtual gatherings back uh, as a way to you know continue to bridge the gap till, till we get to that point where we're really fully back and getting to see each other so I think uh, I think that consistency trying to bring it back is is one thing that is at least work for um, you know, myself personally and the teams that I've worked with. Um, one other thing that I'd love to hit on, and this is a little bit separate from what we looked at before, but kind of a product of what you alluded to with just the fact that everything is is now being carried out through Zoom and through Teams and other, other chat tools, and that's the fact that we're spending a lot of time in meetings. In fact, uh, a recent report from Microsoft found that time spent in meetings each week has more than doubled this year and chat sent per person in teams each week increased by over 40 percent and these numbers are just they're still going up and so given that trend how important do you feel the role of a meeting facilitator is and what can be done by a facilitator to make meetings more efficient and ultimately get the most productivity out of their teams and the folks they're meeting with
1: yeah you know I I think if um, there's probably a few aspects to maybe comment on on, on this thread um you know i think we, we we've done some research i think just about um you know the impact of being remote and the impact of of the pandemic has had on the workforce in general and i think you know we, we actually did a focus study on on um, impact of women in financial services and, and what we found was kind of an outsized an outsized impact on women right and i think um you know part of this is certainly you know given the pandemic um you know given the responsibilities in in, in households generally you know women have, have borne the unfortunate brunt of having to leave the workforce or not being able to kind of keep up with what has been expected around 40 percent more meetings right i mean it's just it's just been incredibly difficult um you know and 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 that part of the workforce has suffered probably more than others and and I think as we come back, you know, I don't know that, especially if we're gonna be in a hybrid environment, I don't know that that um, the meeting percentages are gonna decrease, right? I think they're probably gonna remain the same, especially if you're gonna think about my kids were in, you know, somewhere hybrid and somewhere in the classroom and the teachers had to teach both, right? So but but for us what that means is you still have to have meetings, you still have to facilitate them. So I think we're gonna to have to think about how to be more creative for our employees. Um, especially as we think about um you know the women in our in our in our businesses coming back to work and what's going to work for them. So um, that that's kind of one chunk that you know as we think about workforce research that we all ought to consider. I think the second the, the second chunk and, and kind of specific to your question, which is around meeting facilitation and, you know, I think what we found is you have to be much more prepared, frankly. Um, because it's harder to read the room it's harder to redirect it's hard to stand up and go to the whiteboard and say hey guys time out let's let's maybe take a step back and and rethink through how we're going about this content as you're preparing for something especially with clients and especially maybe with clients that you don't have a a a really deep relationship with um you got to be a a lot more prepared to be able to pivot throughout the meeting right and you have to uh, you have to be able to game plan and what if scenario um what else know what might be happening in that meeting and if it goes down this path and here's how we're going to deal with it if it goes down path number two here's how we're going to deal with it if it goes down path number three here's how we're going to deal with it and for each one of those be really clear on what you want the outcome to be and um so it just it it, um probably has demands more of us um as people that are trying to facilitate through client discussions because you know the complexity of what we're trying to get through hasn't decreased it's still the same stuff it's still hard, um, still across various constituencies, various silos of our clients organizations. So it just requires a little bit more to get, get prepared and, and, um, and get complete.
0: Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. And you, you've got to, like you said, you gotta be ready for those real live distractions, whether it be a phone (laughs) ringing to, uh, to, uh, um, you know, folks pinging you and you're, you're more used to interruption, but I, I think that it's, uh, you know, everyone's on the same tools and, and really just like you said, being being prepared and, and I think giving meeting summaries, turning on the face camera as much as possible, all things that I, I think that we're, we're seeing at least at Duck Creek to, to help drive more efficiency and productivity across across our meetings. So uh, another another point as we, we look to the future and, and where we are today. So um, where we are now, over 50 percent of adults in the U.S. fully vaccinated um you know obviously different countries uh you know having much much more difficult challenges with the pandemic at this time and and, and, you know much smaller vaccination rates but you know at least locally and within um within where we are here in the us anecdotally we're we're seeing more people i'm seeing more people out on the streets returning to work uh return to the office seems to be on everyone's mind and so in this hybrid work environment What do you think the future of core system implementation projects will look like both in the short term when we immediately start getting back and as well, uh, say two or so years from now?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. I think, you know, we're starting to see some signs of what that might look like. Um, You know, several of our joint clients are are heading back to the office at some point this summer, Um, some much more, you know, with a stated vision and a stated direction than others. Some much more deliberate and um, prescribed, and others a little bit more open-ended. Um, re- regardless of, of, of which side our clients land on in, in kind of that, that comparison, in the short term, I don't foresee much change, right? If you think about through the summertime, and even the clients that are, have declared they're coming back, you know, how they, like, simple things like how they make space for external providers in their buildings, you know, I, I don't think a lot of them have figured that out. For the ones that know they're going back to the office, they know that their employees are going back to the office. I don't know that they know that their external external partners are coming back, and if they do, when and how. Um, I had one client tell me, he said, "Yeah, listen, Jim, you know we're we're going back, but we're, we're not making space for you guys, right? So, so um, in the near term, you know, the, through the through the summer and maybe maybe through the fall." I, I'd be surprised if there was much of a change of what we've become used to uh, over the course of the last uh, 12 to 15 months. Maybe we'll be able to sprinkle in some out of the office stuff, um, but but I think in terms of the day to day core execution, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect a ton of change. Now, over the course of the next couple of years, I I, I would expect you know the you know the ways of working to normalize and um, us to see kind of patterns emerging from our clients. So I. I'd, I'd be surprised if we got back to the four days a week, week over week, month over month, you know, in perpetuity. I just don't think our, I don't think our clients want that. I don't think our teams want that, our employees. So, you know, we're going to have to find a balance. And I think it's going to be some mix of, you know, early on in projects, we're going to spend more time together. We're going to kind of get the guard, you know, get the rails built and and start to execute down those rails. And then we're going to pivot to something that's a little bit more infrequent travel and a little bit more worker friendly. so, so yeah, I just think it's going to take us probably a little bit of time to normalize into that. Um, again, with, with the summer and the fall, probably, again, my guess, probably not changing a ton um, and us probably start to normalize as we get into winter and into 2022.
0: Right. That makes sense. And I mean, it's not like we haven't all made adjustments in the past. I mean, you know, prior to the pandemic, Duck Creek, we 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 were certainly carrying out Uh, large volumes of of implementations remotely when we're working with, uh, with, with with teams and and clients. And and so certainly going fully remote was, was an adjustment that had to be made, but I think certainly everyone now that we've gone to the, to one extreme moving back and forth between and finding whatever happy medium that is, depending on the clients, um, or or the strategy or the timeline of, of where things need to get and how they need to get done. We'll, we'll get figured out. So, um, since we are on the show, Conversations of the Creek, and we have always talked about how the latest InsurTech is transforming the PNC insurance industry, uh, I wanted to get your take on it, given that you are at the forefront of implementing many core systems and many kinds of integrations across different analytics, uh, services, solutions, uh, in the broader InsurTech space. And so... Since COVID started, looking back, what type of insure tech solutions have you been integrating? Does it seem like there's a demand for a particular category of insure tech uh, since the pandemic began?
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting. You know, the pandemic, no, no pandemic, the investments in insure tech has not slowed down. Um, which I frankly I was a little surprised, a little surprised, and I thought I thought we might see more kind of fall by the wayside, but um, We haven't seen that the capital markets are super healthy and and they're looking for places to put their money and insurance and and um, insurance continues to be an attractive sector. So I was kind of surprised by that. But um, to your question specifically, you know, anything that's tied to consumer, whether that's consumer straight through processing experience, um, intelligence delivered at the point of consumer interaction is garnering tons and tons of investment. Right. And um, I think the reasons for that is is the pandemic has only it has only accentuated or driven the need for more consumer oriented 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 solutions right um we, we just did some research um, around the consumer and you know it, it's interesting consumers today place less trust in insurers than they did pre-pandemic that they're going to be able to protect and use their data um, safely so there's less confidence um, in, in insurance companies from from consumers. I think consumers generally are, are trying to think about, and we're, we're using this, this this term controllable adversity versus uncontrollable adversity, right? So if you think about control, controllable adversity, things that you can actually influence yourself, they're much more apt to try and control that, right? Given all the other stuff that's happened over the last year and a half that they haven't been able to control. So it's, I think it's a natural reaction uh, from a human being standpoint. Um, but, you know, so if you think about that, they, they, they are less trustful they actually are much more um, value-oriented, right? Um, you know, pandemics or major events like this—you know—that that that scare people. Um, they become a lot more uh, aware of, of value for money. So, so they're they're less trusting. They're much more e- expecting a value for, for the money that they spend. Um, it, it, creates, it creates a lot of pressure from an insurance company about a, you know, a, a product that's required, maybe not necessarily sought after. Um, so how do you become much more consumer oriented? What's interesting about that research is those two data points that are kind of negative. The third data point that came out of the research said that you know three quarters of these, of these same consumers that, asked, that answered those first two questions the way that they did said, well, hey, listen, if you're, if you're going to provide me value, I'd be happy to share my data with you. So it's an interesting paradigm for our, for our clients that um, need to become much more customer centric. Um, they're looking to third party data. How can I get smarter about my consumer? How can I be more in touch with their contextual needs? And they're getting they're getting much they're getting much more interested in in um, applied intelligence, artificial intelligence solutions that help them down that path. So, with this backdrop of things, anything that's kind of consumer oriented is going to drive improve performance there is is getting a lot of attention from our from our clients so third-party data applied intelligence um predictive analytics th- those are areas that will continue to continue to feed feed the uh insure tech beast that we have we've come to know over the last five or six years
0: sure yeah i know it makes sense i mean i think it's uh there's just a lot of innovation happening and it's great to see insurers starting to take advantage of all these different data sources within the core system and, and use that to come up with you know what does that mean in terms of uh how I deliver the policy, what does the customer experience look like at the point of claims, and so I think, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think we'll we'll continue to see more more integration and orchestration within the core systems of, of all these this great uh, you know, data and analytics that are being put to use. Yeah. So uh, with that, Jim, I think we're we're out of time here today. Anything else you'd like to add before we call it?
1: Um, you know, listen, Rob, thanks for having me as always. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, it's a pleasure to spend some time with you and your listeners. Um, it's good to see the podcast still, still rolling here. Um, I think, listen, what, just one commentary on our business, you know, I I don't think it's going to slow down. Right. I mean, I, I think if you think about this consumer orientation, we just spoke about with that comes a need for continual product innovation and product launch. Right. And, um, the need for core platforms, um, especially ones that you can build and launch quickly outside of the mothership to get new products to market. I, I don't see that business slowing down at all. So um, I guess I'd just say looking forward to another, another healthy healthy year here in front of us with this part of our business and, um, and with, with Duck Creek is a big part of that. So thanks for having me and uh, look forward to next time.
0: Great, thanks again, Jim. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in today. Before we conclude today's episode, I'd like to highlight that Accenture is a top-level Duck Creek partner supporting Duck Creek On Demand, our enterprise SaaS solution for the PNC insurance industry. And they are our only systems integrator partner with elite-level status. To learn more about Accenture, go to duckcreek.com slash partner slash Accenture. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other great podcast episodes, webinars, and more content on our virtual events platform vformation by going to vformation.duckcreek.com we'll see you next time